A student-led diversity club gets shut down by Sterling College administration, leaving students feeling betrayed and frustrated. One student refuses to give up the fight. Hello, and welcome to the Sterling Outlet, the podcast where people from the Sterling community are given an outlet to discuss the things they're passionate about. Before we get started today, I would like to remind the folks at home that the views expressed in this podcast are those of the guest, and they are not necessarily endorsed by myself unless explicitly stated otherwise. I'm your host, Jesse Shepard, and joining me in the studio today is Adam Moore. Hello. Adam is the former Sterling College SGA president, and he's still a student here. But in his time in office, there is one point where he's tried to begin a club for the LGBT community on campus. Adam, what happened with this club, for those of us who don't know? Well, I started trying to get this club up and running in the fall semester of 2019, But really, it caught steam in spring of 2020. We finally had all the people set after 2019 and kind of had an idea of what we wanted to get from it. And then in the spring was when we finally started putting in the applications. When we put in the application, uh, the other people in my SGA wanted to check with the administration and make sure that they're okay with it, which I was opposed to. But I was outvoted (laughs) Uh, because I knew what would happen. So we went to the administration. I sent an email to Jason Breyer about it. It kind of exploded from there. Um, Had many, many talks with Scott Rich and Jason Breyer and Paul Brandis. They pretty early on said that they didn't really want the club to happen. The club itself was a support group, so it had nothing to do with activism and was just about making sure that people on campus felt loved and safe because they don't currently feel that way, to be pretty frank about it. And so they were afraid of what would happen once I was gone or once Bryce White, who also helped start the club, was gone. And they thought maybe someone else would take it over who did not view it as an anti-activism club, um, even though it was written in the club's constitution that it would not be activist. And they also said that it might cost them money because I think it's the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities CCCU, I know is the acronym. They thought that they would take funding away from Sterling College because they were to make this club or also get rid of their Title IX exemption, which is another thing I fought for. A Title IX exemption allows for Christian colleges to discriminate, fire, and kick out any LGBT students, and they received that in spring of my freshman year. It ended in April after the COVID-19 pandemic started, kind of lost a lot of the steam that we were getting. So I thought we were getting somewhere with it, but then because of COVID-19, I had one final meeting with all of them, my president exit interview, which I also had with Paige Sheradden, who wants to continue to fight for this kind of thing. And they told me that it was a definite no, and that if I tried to pass the club, then the administration would override it anyways. So it was a five to one vote no, I, of course, was the one vote to vote yes because I at least wanted students, if for whatever reason they were actually reading any of our notes, which I don't think anyone actually reads notes from our meetings, but if anyone was, um, I wanted them to know that at least one person supported them. And since I was the first openly gay president of SGA at Sterling College, I thought that that was important. Like, I didn't want to betray my community in one of my final acts of office. So it sounds to me like most of what you're going through, it was opposition coming from the faculty 
and the administration side of it? I actually would say the faculty was not a problem. Um, a lot of faculty had my back in this. Honestly, I have not really had any bad experiences with faculty, and I've never had a bad experience with students either. It was just one group of just five or six people that were able to take it down. What do you think the role is of the administration over groups like this on campus? And yeah, I I, I think yeah. like as as the former SGA president, you have to have a lot of thoughts on oh I sure do <laughs> what what powers and privileges they should have over student led groups. First, I think the administration should read the constitution <laughs> of SGA that the administration pledges to abide by. They have no role in clubs. They mm. really don't. Um, as long as it doesn't go against Sterling College itself, like you can have an anti-Sterling College club. <laughs> but other than that, they can't, they can't do that sort of thing, which I tried to play that card multiple times, like, saying, okay, well, sorry you feel that way, but it's still going to happen. And it would have happened. I really do think it would have happened if my other members of SGA had been a little more supportive of the idea. I still think that even if the administration had supported the club, I think that it probably would have ended up in a tie in my cabinet. I think that the current cabinet certainly could pass it. They've talked about possibly doing it, but it's a fight. It definitely is. And yeah. I know more than anyone how, how big of a fight and how long of a fight it is. And it just shouldn't be. It's not their, their place to, to dictate over clubs. They've tried to dictate other things over SGA. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a side story. But I remember um, at the beginning of my administration, intramurals, of all things, that was the, that was the big controversy <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> because they originally requested... Um, $150, and then later they said, no, we said $1,500. And I said, I'm not giving you that because <laughs> you're intramurals. And so it was this huge fight where I ended up yelling at an administration member because of the way they were handling it. But again, that's another place where they don't have power over the, us in that area. That's all on us. And I think that's such an important part of SGA too. I think SGA, well, yes, we... We make clubs and we give funding and we make projects on campus. It's also a very practical way of looking at governance and um, something that could benefit a lot of people at Sterling. All of my members now, I think they got a whole lot from it. Uh, my treasurer, a math major, obviously great experience. My vice president wants to go into politics someday. She's going to law school right now. Huge experience for her. Um, secretary, the best organizer I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, same with my office manager, both fantastic people who will use this, absolutely. And my office manager who made posters, she's a design major, you know, like every major can benefit from this. My DCA, she also just completely revamped her position and organized it so much more, but she just has a heart for people and that's what a DCA has to have. And so all of these people got something from this but because the administration wasn't taking care of it for them, they had to do it themselves. And I guess what I got from it was how to yell back at people <laughs> out mm. of a backbone. I don't know. Fight. Yeah. But that shouldn't be what a president learns, but it's what I had to learn. Yeah. I have to ask, due to everything happening in the past year, all of the Black Lives Matter movement, everything like that, we've had 
like the diversity initiative and the diversity committee set up on on campus. What do you think about how Sterling College is handling this diverse issue while neglecting, like clearly like neglecting another diversity issue? Yeah, right. I, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, I think that if you're going to talk about diversity, don't just talk about certain types of diversity. You need, if you're actually wanting to do something big for diversity of the campus, you have to touch on all aspects of it. And that was what was really, really disappointing. I mean, the diversity initiative, you're actually one of the first people to ever hear this. They, they met with me multiple times as well. Um, but they had to do it secretly because they were afraid the administration would try to shut down the diversity initiative. And so, I mean, the fact that even faculty members are scared of this Think about how LGBT people feel. Yeah. If faculties are afraid of helping LGBT people, they're getting no help whatsoever. Right. So, yeah, it's just really disappointing. And also, I think it was two weeks ago now, they had a diversity chapel. Um, and I sent in the question, what do you plan on looking at next for diversity? Trying to say, like, look at LGBT, you punks. Um <laughs> And um, Paul, his response to this was so... I know what he was trying to say. And I know Paul's heart is in the right place. I really do. It just really sounded so bad. He said that he wanted to look at sexual minorities next. Which is just a terrible term to use to describe me and LGBT people. It just makes us sound like inherently over-sexualized people, which I think is a huge problem with LGBT people. Um, for so long, they've been over-sexualized and given a bad name because of that, and obviously other things as well. But I think that that contributes to even more discrimination against LGBT people. Um, almost kind of like, I don't know if I want to say it's like a racist epithet, but like... It's it's like that version for the LGBT community, calling us a sexual minority. Like, call us LGBT. Call us gay. Call us literally anything other than sexual minority. Yeah. Um, and it just proves that even the people who do want to look into it and do want to make a change, maybe they're not the best people for it. And I met with Paul a lot of times, and he always said that he wanted to listen and he wanted to change things. And he wanted to hear from the people who understand it most the lgbt people on campus but at some point you actually have to listen and change things <laughs> and i mean there was just a lot of times where it felt like he was listening and then would say well yeah but sterling probably isn't ready for that it's like well when will when will will we be ready will we ever be ready probably not if we don't make these changes we're so far behind the rest of the world in this at Sterling College. We cannot make tiny steps. We have to make major changes. And although, yeah, that'll be kind of a culture shock for us, good. We need a culture shock. We need we need culture <laughs> at the school. And that's a way to do it. Adam, what do you think has to happen now? So obviously this club can't exist right now due to the administration and everything they've done to oppose it. What can be done right now to aid LGBT students on in our community, on campus? What can we do? I guess my answer 
depends on who's going to listen to this. <laughs> Will it just be votes? I don't know. Okay. We'll find out. You know, I'm going to say it. I'll say it. Sure. I've got to sit up for this one. <clears throat> um, make Scott Rich resign <laughs> is one answer. I think that he is a roadblock, the very definition of a roadblock to everything. Um, and I think that he's proven his incompetence even further in the COVID-19 pandemic. But I think that he is unwilling to learn. And I think someone in a leadership position needs to be willing to learn, which was one of my biggest lessons that I learned as president of SGA. Like you have to be willing to, to learn what can do best. And, um, I mean, I learned so much from my other SGA people that we were able to create, recreate an entire homecoming week. And we were able to create other new clubs and really change the future of SGA because we were willing to listen and change. Um, Scott Rich has proven he, he wouldn't do that. And I think I always got the feeling that there was some fear among other cabinet members. And so I, I really think that that, sadly, I mean, I, it's sad because I love Scott Rich. I really do. He's a great guy. But it's like you're holding it back, which is just, it's sad. It's sad. Um, also getting rid of our Title IX exemption, it, it literally has discrimination in the description. I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand in any world why we would want that. I, I get it protects religious freedoms or any of that stuff that, um, you know, it's a, a constant critique of the LGBT movement community. I don't know what you would call it necessarily, but, um, I think that, you can still preserve your freedom to be religious, especially at a private school like Sterling College, but that doesn't mean you can discriminate against others. And I don't think that what that's what God calls us to do. Um, I think it's kind of disgusting that that's what we have decided that's the route we want to go. Um, I know that when they originally applied for it, it was out of fear that it would eventually go away um, because at the time they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election and get rid of the Title IX exemption. She had said before that she would. Um, and they feared that if that went away, then they wouldn't be able to have their religious freedoms. So it was, it was I don't, don't want to say good intentions, but they had intentions that weren't just like, we want to discriminate. But I know they've used it. Um, they've used it against RAs that have been fired because they're LGBT. They have, I mean, they used it against the club. They discriminate against students a lot, and it's all because of that exemption. So, And it's not a hard thing to get rid of. You send a, a letter to the Department of Education, and they write back to you. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's more legal context there, but still, I mean, it's not painstaking. And over the summer when I was in D.C., I went to the headquarters of CCCU, and I asked them if they would get rid of a funding for a college that were to create a club or get rid of their Title IX exemption. And they said, no. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just an excuse is all it was. And I knew it was always an excuse, which is why I, I literally passed it on the street. And I was like, is that, I think that's, I'm going in. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's just, they'll always have an excuse. And another step, create a dang club because it's not that hard. And it's just, it's about supporting people. 
And to tell me that Sterling College doesn't stand for supporting people tells me that the school just maybe shouldn't even exist. Yeah, one of the things that struck me the most earlier this year, I was at one of like the the reading discussions for one of the diversity book selections from over the summer and like the people who were who were like f- leaders from the diversity committee were saying like hey just so you know like we don't have a lot of authority or power in this we don't have an ability to do this like our jobs are on the line that kind of thing but hey you students you need to stand up right now yeah you need to take control because you have more authority than even we do in this moment and that's that's the and thing that, and students do not realize and that's what terrified me too yeah. it's like well how am i supposed to do anything if our own faculty doesn't feel yeah. secure in this and students have yeah. so much power and that's also probably that that is the lesson that i learned as president it was like holy crap, like, we could do a lot. Yeah. And SGA has so much power, but no one has utilized it for years, so everyone forgets that they have that power. Um, that power is signed off on the SGA Constitution by the administration. Like, they give us that power. So, yeah, let's start an LGBT revolt on campus. I mean, obviously that's a lot, but no, I, I think that students have the ability to change so much, so much on this campus. And somebody's just got to tell them that. How, how do you think students should go about trying to make this change, though? Like, obviously, we can't really necessarily impact the removal or that kind of thing. So what do you think we could do as students? Be loud, I think, is the best advice. I, I think that most people that go to, to Sterling know that there are two things that the administration worries about more than anything their image and their money (laughs) and if we were to be so so loud about the injustices that happen here to the point that other news outlets were to pick it up or to the point where it's spread across social media or something that gets the word out then they would definitely do something and if that also makes them lose money which we also have a lot of power over then they'll also do something there, especially during COVID-19 when they have very, very little money. Yeah, I just think that we could easily <laughs> take down the system. I don't, I don't know the right word to use, but, you know, something something to that effect. I always had, like, a dream in my mind of, like, doing one of those sit-ins, like, where you, like, just don't go to your classes for a week and just, like, sit on the, like... <laughs> <laughs> said the quad. We don't have a quad, like in front of the servant leader statue. Um, and we all just sit there and just like have signs and we're like, ah, screw the system, you know? <laughs> but honestly, as, as ridiculous as that sounds, it would do something. I mean, news outlets would pick that up pretty quick and I don't know. It would get attention. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for sitting down and taking this time in the studio to discuss this with me. Obviously, this is a passion of yours, and it's a fight that we need to continue. Agreed.